Do you have a ghost story? One that happened to you? Or maybe an urban legend you know? Share with us. Send it through Messenger or email us at odditiesandcuriositiespod at gmail.com. We will be doing a bonus episode for Halloween with listener stories. Our deadline is October 21st, so send us your spooky stories. This podcast contains content and language not suitable for some listeners. and curiosities the podcast about murder the paranormal and other oddities sure to pique your curiosity we are amanda and Brittany. (laughs) it's spooky season it is it's spooky season now (laughs) i couldn't help myself that's great and it's our 18th birthday Oh, yeah. We're legal now. (laughs) We're sort of legal. Oddities and curiosities can now vote. (laughs) Woohoo! We can be in the army now. Oh, God. No. 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 It's not not for me. We're not fit. No. (laughs) So, episode 18 is cannibals. Yes. Yeah. Kicking off spooky season right. Yes, ma'am. And it's Wednesday. It's hump day. For all the cool moms out there. Because mm-hmm. we totally are. And guess what? What? On Wednesdays, we drink pink. Yeah, we do. <laughs> uh, our hump day treat this week uh, comes from my refrigerator. I like your refrigerator. <laughs> and what? The thrifty liquor down the street? Yes. <laughs> we deemed one bottle not fit. Mm-hmm. So Amanda ran out and got another one. So, we have two bottles of Barefoot. One is pink Moscato and one is red Moscato because that's just what we're doing today. Yep. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Plus, we're doing another movie night. Yes. You got to be lubricated for that. (laughs) 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 Ma'am. I don't know what kind of Netflix and chill you think this is. You've never heard that expression when you're drinking, you're getting lubricated. I was just trying to be funny, but not that kind of funny. (laughs) That's just how it hit me. I was like, okay. It's late, people. It's It's late. (laughs) It's late. It's been a long day. You know. That it has. (laughs) It's okay, though. We're fine over here. Everything's fine. Oh, yeah. We got a badass case for y'all this week. Yeah. Brittany does. I've got a lengthy case, <laughs> and then Amanda's going to come in at the end and put a cherry on top. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be great. hmm Real quick, before we kick this off. Yeah. If you want to see our pictures, if you want to go to the notes when we say go to the notes. And you want to. Then follow us on social media, on Facebook at Oddities and Curiosities Podcast, and on Instagram at Oddities and Curiosities Pod. Mm-hmm. So, do that stuff. Yeah. Right now. Yeah. Get ready. Go do that. Yeah. Let's dive right in. Okay. I have no background this week because everyone knows what cannibals are. And if you don't, Google it real quick and then come back to me. Or just sit tight and (laughs) listen to this. Yeah. We'll inform you. Mm Mm-hmm. We're good teachers. We are. 
So I decided to open up the can of worms that is Jeffrey Dahmer. Yeah. <laughs> and a can of worms it is. I mean, y'all may have heard of him. I'm, I don't know. Maybe. If so, I'm just going to refresh your memory for you. So buckle up, kiddos. Okay. Okay. So Jeffrey Lionel Dahmer. Okay. I already just learned something new. I didn't know that was his middle name. Lionel. <laughs> okay. Who uh, had nicknames like the Milwaukee Cannibal or the Milwaukee Monster. He was an American serial killer and sex offender who committed the murder and dismemberment of 17 men and boys between 1978 and 1991. Many of his later murders involved necrophilia, cannibalism, and the preservation of body parts. All right. Although he was diagnosed with borderline personality disorder, um, schizotypal personality disorder, which I didn't have time to goog, but I'm going to guess that it's similar to schizophrenia. It's, it's one of the schizophrenias. Okay. Is what I'm guessing. So y'all give that a goog if you need some more definition. And a psychotic disorder. Uh, Dahmer was found to be legally sane at his trial, which how? Nah. We'll, we'll get there. Okay. Um, he was convicted of 15 of the 16 murders he had committed in Wisconsin and was <laughs> sentenced to 15 terms of life imprisonment. I'll get to why that is later. <laughs> it's just, yeah, because, you know, 15 is way better than 16. <laughs> Dahmer was later sentenced to a 16th term of life imprisonment for an additional homicide committed in Ohio in 1978. My God, boy, calm the fuck down. I know. Well, yeah, it's it's finna get interesting yeah okay so Dahmer was born may 21st 1960 in milwaukee wisconsin uh he was the first of two sons of joyce annette and lionel herbert Dahmer. Oh. Uh, some sources report Dahmer was deprived of attention as an infant but other sources suggest that he was doted upon uh, by both of his parents so you know conflicting stories there we're not really sure which one is true but his mother was known to be uh, tense and greedy for both attention and pity mm. and was argumentative with her husband and the neighbors. His father, Lionel, uh, was a college student. So his studies kept him away from the home a lot of the time. And when he was home, his wife demanded constant attention. She was a hypochondriac and suffered from depression. Oh, that's a good combination. Yeah. And she spent an increasing amount of time in bed. On one occasion, she was known to have attempted suicide with tranquilizers. She mm. sounds lovely. I know. Okay. Is what it is. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Joyce. Yeah. Neither parent devoted much time to their son, who later uh, recollected that from an early age, he felt unsure of the solidity of the family. So he didn't really know how close they were. Like, he didn't feel that security that you usually feel with your oh. family. That's sad. And he recalled uh, his parents arguing and a lot of tension in his house. Dahmer had been an energetic and happy child, but became notably subdued after a double hernia surgery shortly before his fourth birthday. I don't know how wow. that affects your, I don't know, your disposition, but apparently it did. At elementary school, Dahmer was regarded as quiet and timid, and one teacher later recalled that she detected early signs of abandonment due to his mother's illnesses. Uh, the symptoms of which increased when she became pregnant with her second child. Mm -hmm. um, even so, in grade school, Dahmer did have a small little group of friends. Oh, well, that's good. Yeah. He became, from an early age, interested in dead animals. Oh. So there's a red flag. Is that is that his little group of friends? <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay. <laughs> it started out with him collecting large insects like dragonflies and butterflies and keeping them in jars like most kids totally do. Totally normal. Later, he began collecting animal carcasses, and sometimes he brought along his little friends with him and dismembered these animals, either at home or in the woods nearby. According to one friend, Dahmer dismembered these animals and stored the parts in jars in the family's tool shed, saying that he was curious as to how animals, quote, fitted together. <laughs> so, um, I'm guessing some <laughs> of his friends probably dispersed after witnessing that. Probably. <laughs> Um, I mean, collecting them and showing them to your friends is totally normal as well, but not dismembering them and keeping the parts in jars. Like, yeah, that's not okay. No. His fascination with dead animals may have begun when, at the age of four, he saw his father removing animal bones from under the family's house. Mm. According to his father, he was oddly thrilled by the sound that bones made and became preoccupied with animal bones. So he started occasionally searching beneath and around the house for more bones and would explore bodies of dead animals to discover where the bones were located. So he's just like poking at them and squishing at them. To oh my see God, dude. Where the bones went. In one instance, Dahmer decapitated the carcass of a dog before nailing the body to a tree and impaling the skull on a stake beside a wooden cross in the woods behind his house. Nope. Nope. That's not normal. When you find that shit, you take your kid to the doctor. Like, okay, we need to talk to somebody, honey. Yeah, let's and how do you miss the carcass of an animal nailed to your tree? I don't know. Well, it doesn't really sound like his mom gave a fuck. You're right. And his she was dad probably was in busy. Bed. Yeah. So. Yeah, he's fine. Let, let Lionel <laughs> do his thing. <laughs> but in October 1966, the family moved to Doylestown, Ohio. When his mother gave birth in December, she allowed Jeffrey to choose the name of his baby brother. <laughs> <laughs> Fortunately, he chose something normal like David. Oh, okay. Yes. Okay. Um, the same year, his father earned his degree and started to work as an analytical chemist. Oh, damn. In 1968, the family moved to a Bath Township in Ohio. Two years later, um, during a chicken dinner, Dahmer asked his father what would happen if the chicken bones were placed in bleach, which I well, feel like well, let's, is... let's see. Let's find out. I feel like that's a very odd question. Why? <laughs> I can't. I can't. So if Asher looked at you one day while y'all are eating some KFC and was like, Mom, what do you think these bones would do if we threw them in some bleach? I'd be like, I don't know. Go get the bleach. Let's, <laughs> let's see what it does. You're going to fucking lie. <laughs> probably no ashton i'd be like go to your room Just i mean i'd ask her why but if she, if she asked me there'd be a legit reason it wouldn't be for just i'd just be like just, dude just for funsies ashton go to your room i'd just tell him to go to <laughs> i can't talk about this right now but his father Dahmer's father was pleased by what he believed to be his son's scientific curiosity see and demonstrated how to safely bleach and preserve animal bones. Okay, no, 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 no. I'd just do it and dip it in there and see what happened. I wouldn't be well, like, no, okay. we're doing the whole shebang because <laughs> science. How you do it? <laughs> because science. Because science. <laughs> <laughs> Dahmer started incorporating these techniques into his bone collecting. That same year, his mother began increasing her daily consumption of tranquilizers, <laughs> laxatives, and sleeping pills, further minimizing contact with her husband and children because she was either asleep or on the toilet. Oh my god, I don't, I don't know why people do laxatives. I, ew. 
to lose weight. I know, but there's... A- or because they're backed up because they're taking all these tranquilizers and sleeping pills. <laughs> she has to. It reminds me of Daisy from Girl Interrupted. <laughs> With my Eden chicken, you mean kitchen? That's what I said. That's what I said, asshole. <laughs> <laughs> I love that movie. <laughs> so, shit. So from his freshman year at Revere High School, Dahmer was seen as an outcast. And I do have a yearbook picture if you want to go to the notes. Yes. And look at young Jeffrey Dahmer, his high school yearbook picture. Already he has the signature glasses. My God. Yeah, he does. He had no chance. (laughs) But he looks like a fairly normal child minus the serial killer glasses. Those lips. Good Lord. (laughs) Okay, I'm like I like the hair. He's got it's some nice and hair. swoopy. But yeah, he's already got the glasses. Yep, he was ready. He's, he's done. That's yep. it. It's it was already too late. <laughs> the prophecy has been foretold. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so by the age of fourteen, he began drinking in daylight hours, often hiding his liquor inside the lining of an army fatigue jacket that he wore to school. He is known to have mentioned to one classmate who asked why he was drinking scotch in a morning history class that the alcohol he consumed was, quote, my medicine. Dahmer was seen. Me too. I agree. (laughs) Dahmer was seen by staff as polite and highly intelligent, but with just average grades. He was a good tennis player and briefly played in the high school band. (laughs) I want to see the tennis outfit. <laughs> He's not getting any cool points with, with those activities. No. When he reached puberty, Dahmer discovered he was gay, and he didn't tell his parents. In his early teens, he had a brief relationship with another boy, although they never had intercourse. It was just, you know, like a platonic-type relationship. Okay. He began fantasizing about dominating and controlling a completely submissive male partner in his early to mid-teens, and his fantasies gradually evolved to his focusing upon the chests and torsos of men. I just find that okay different. Not to yuck anybody's yum. No, that's just not usually like what's your favorite body part of a man. Yeah, that's not what you what you would typically what people typically fantasize about. But no. that was his thing. Okay, uh, these fantasies started to become intertwined with dissection. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So he he was off from the jump. Yeah. Uh, when he was about 16, Dahmer uh, conceived a fantasy of rendering an unconscious male partner. It was a jogger that he saw on a regular basis that he found attractive. Um, and then making sexual use of his body while he was unconscious. Oh. Um, on one occasion, Dahmer actually concealed himself in some bushes with a baseball bat to wait for this guy. And uh, he didn't come by that day. Thank God. And that happened to be his first attempt to attack a person. Run, jogger, run. When he was 16. Yeah. But despite being regarded as a loner and an oddball among his peers, he became uh, known as something of a class clown who often staged pranks, uh, which became known as doing a dauber. <laughs> <laughs> so I think from now on... <laughs> If we catch somebody being a little jokester, we say, hey, are you doing a Dahmer? Yep. Yep. That's what we're doing. Yeah. I haven't (laughs) heard that little tidbit before, so I had to include that. I thought it was funny. 
All um, right, ONC. <laughs> all of y'all. <laughs> it's called doing a Dahmer now. Doing a Dahmer. Spread the word. Yeah. <laughs> By 1977, uh, Dahmer's grades had started to decline and his parents hired a private tutor, but it didn't really help. That same year, his father discovered his mom had an affair. How she got out of bed long well. enough for that, I don't know. <laughs> but uh, they d- made a mutual decision to divorce, and his father moved out of the house in early 1978. Mm. So um, that May, Dahmer graduated high school. A few weeks before his graduation, one of his teachers observed him sitting close to the school parking lot drinking beer. Several cans of beer. Sure, why not? And when the teacher threatened to report him, Dahmer told her or told him that he was experiencing problems at home and that the guidance counselor already knew about it. So I guess that makes it okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Carry on then. <laughs> yeah. Sorry to bother you. <laughs> <laughs> that spring, his mother and brother moved out of the family home and went to live with relatives in Chippewa Falls, Wisconsin. And since... Uh, Dahmer had just turned 18. He remained in the family home on his own. Okay. And then later that year, um, July 1978, his parents' divorce was finalized. Jeez. And that was the year that Dahmer committed his first murder. Yeah, because he's living on his own. <laughs> yeah, three weeks after his graduation. <laughs> okay. At he the time, yeah. At the time, he was living alone in the family home. Um, he picked up a hitchhiker named Stephen Mark Hicks, who was almost 19. He lured him to his house on the pretext of drinking. Hicks, who had been hitchhiking to a rock concert at Chippewa Lake Park, agreed to come to his house with the promise of a few beers with Dahmer as he had the house to himself. Mm. So according to Dahmer, the sight of the bare-chested Hicks standing on the roadside stirred his sexual feelings. But when Hicks began talking about girls, he knew any sexual passes he made would be rebuffed. After several hours of talking, drinking, and listening to music, Hicks, and this is a quote from Jeffrey Dahmer, uh, wanted to leave, and I didn't want him to. So he bludgeoned him with a 10-pound dumbbell. He later stated he struck Hicks twice from behind with the dumbbell as he sat in a chair. When Hicks fell unconscious, Dahmer strangled him to death with the bar of the dumbbell, then stripped off his clothes before exploring his chest with his hands, then masturbating as he stood above the corpse. Mm-hmm. The next day, Dahmer dissected Hicks's body in the basement. He later buried the remains in a shallow grave in his backyard before um, unearthing the remains later and cutting all the flesh off the bones. Mm-hmm. He dissolved the flesh in acid before flushing it down the toilet. Then he crushed the bones with a sledgehammer and scattered them in the woods behind the family home. Six weeks after the murder of Hicks, Dahmer's father and fiance uh, <laughs> returned to his home where they discovered that Jeffrey was living alone in the house. So I just want to say real quick, (laughs) he had to have been thinking about that for a long time. Yeah. To come up with that body disposal at 18 years old. How do you just come up? Like you have to be researching and thinking for a long time to come up with something that detailed. And it only took him three weeks. (laughs) Yeah. Of being alone. And he, yeah, he He had to, he, he knew where to get the acid. He had already researched this yeah. stuff. Ahead Boy of knew time. what he was doing. Yeah. You don't just do that in a couple of weeks. Mm-mm. Wow. Wow. <laughs> so that August, Dahmer enrolled at Ohio State University, hoping to major in business. His sole <laughs> term at OSU, his only term at OSU, was completely unproductive, largely because of his persistent alcohol abuse throughout the majority of the time. That'll do it. 
He failed Introduction to Anthropology, Classical Civilizations, and Administrative Science. The only course Dahmer was successful at was riflery, <laughs> having received a B minus grade. Okay. His overall GPA was 0. 0.45 <laughs> out of a 4.0. He's so, such an overachiever. Right? Oh, my God. Um, on one occasion, his dad uh, paid a visit to him, a surprise visit, only to find his room strewn with empty liquor bottles. Despite his father having already paid in advance for second term, Dahmer dropped out of OSU after just three months. In January 1979, his father urged him to enlist in the Army. Of course. Where he trained as a medical specialist at Fort Sam Houston in San Antonio, Texas. I mean, they always make him go to the Army. They always go to the military. Yeah. Um, well, this story is going to sound pretty similar to ones we've told before. Okay. <laughs> Um, on July 13th, 1979, he was deployed to Baumholder, West Germany, where he served as a combat medic. According to reports, in Dahmer's first year of service, he was an average or slightly above average soldier. Due to his alcohol abuse, though, his performance began to deteriorate, and in 1981, he was deemed unsuitable for military service and mm. was later discharged from the Army. He did receive an honorable discharge, though, because they didn't believe that any of his issues in the Army would be applicable to civilian life. So they didn't think he was a danger to anybody, so they gave him an honorable discharge. <laughs> mm. Maybe you should have done a psyche, though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But on March 24th, 1981, Dahmer was sent to Fort Jackson, South Cat. Bleh, bleh. I almost said South California. He was sent to Fort Jackson, <laughs> South Carolina. For debriefing and provided with a plane ticket to travel anywhere in the country. Okay. So Dahmer later told police he felt like he couldn't go home to his father. So he decided to go to Miami Beach, Florida, both because he was tired of the cold and he wanted to try to live on his own, live on his own means. I feel you. So uh, in Florida, Dahmer found a job at a deli and rented a room in a nearby motel. He spent most of his salary on alcohol and was soon evicted from the motel for not paying. Shocker. He initially spent evenings on the beach as he continued to work for the sandwich shop until calling his dad and asking if he could just come home in September that year. So it didn't last long, just a few months on his own. Beach bumming it. Yep. After he went back to Ohio, Dahmer lived with his father and stepmother and insisted on them giving him numerous chores to occupy his time while he looked for work. He <laughs> insisted Please on chores. give me chores. Okay. Nope, that's it. That's it. That He's definitely, definitely. <laughs> Something wrong with him. A man wanting to do chores. Who'd have thunk well, that? Yeah. <laughs> he continued to drink heavily, and two weeks after his return, he was arrested for drunken disorderly conduct. He was fined $60 and given a suspended 10-day jail sentence. Dahmer's father tried unsuccessfully to wean him off alcohol. In December 1981, he and uh, his stepmother, his father and stepmother, sent him to live with his grandmother in West Alice, Wisconsin. His grandmother was the only family member he displayed any affection towards. They hoped that her influence and the change of scenery might help him quit drinking and find a job and, you know, adult. Okay. At first, his living arrangements with his grandmother were great. He went to her church, willingly did chores, and actively looked for work and abided by most of her house rules, but he did continue to drink and smoke. The new influence in his life initially brought results, and in early 1982, he found a job as a phlebotomist at uh, the Milwaukee Blood Plasma Center. Okay. 
and he held this job for a total of 10 months before being laid off. Well, it's a start. Yeah. He remained unemployed for over two years after that while while he leached off grandma. Shortly before losing his job, he was arrested for indecent exposure on August 7th, 1982 at Wisconsin, Wisconsin, Wisconsin State Fair Park. He was seen exposing himself on the south side of the Coliseum with 25 people present, including women and children. No, motherfucker. No. So he was convicted and fined $50 plus court costs. I know. 50 bucks? He was showing his wiener in public. I know. (laughs) That deserves more than $50. No, I'm agreeing with you. I'm like, bro whipped it out in public. Nobody wants to see that. No. Put your dick back in your pants. (laughs) Sorry, I'm probably not allowed to say that. No, but, I think you can say it. But, I find it acceptable. Put your wee-wee back in your pants. <laughs> <laughs> in January 1985, excellent year, <laughs> Dahmer was hired as a mixer at the Milwaukee Ambrosia Chocolate Factory. Okay. Where he worked graveyards 11 to 7, six nights a week, but got Saturday nights off. He worked in a chocolate factory and yeah. he still turned into a cannibal? You've got chocolate. Maybe that's why, because right. he's over the chocolate. I, I mean, I How, wouldn't be I, over the chocolate. I, I, no, I'm just saying. No. Um, shortly after he got that job, he was propositioned by another man while sitting and reading at the public library. The stranger threw Dahmer a note offering to perform fellatio upon him. <laughs> because yeah. that's how you hook up with people. You just throw notes at them. I, that's what I've been doing wrong? Yes. If uh, you just walked around town, like, flicking little paper notes, like those little paper footballs. <laughs> and people. That's what I'm going to start doing. I had no idea. <laughs> You'd now, have several suitors if you were doing that. Uh, what's wrong with me? I've been doing know. it all wrong. Well, okay. now we know. No, no. The more you know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you got that. <laughs> fellatio there it is there fellatio that's how we find our spot okay even though Dahmer didn't respond to it it stirred in his mind the fantasies of control and dominance that he developed as a teenager and so he decided to kind of familiarize himself with milwaukee's gay bars bathhouses and bookstores all right he's also known to have stolen a male mannequin from a store which he briefly used for sexual stimulation until his grandma discovered it <laughs> and told him to get rid of it. He was hiding it in a closet and she found it and she was like, all right, time to go. <laughs> By late 1985, Nomer had begun to regu- regularly frequent the bathhouses, which he later described as being relaxing places. Yeah, they are. <laughs> but during his sexual encounters, he became frustrated at his partner's moving during the sexual act. Those pesky, pesky <laughs> lovers just moving all the time. What did we say last time? Bitch, just lay there and be still. <laughs> just play dead. Oh, my God. <laughs> God, you breathe too much. <laughs> That's what it was. <laughs> <laughs> my cheeks hurt. So after he had been arrested and was interviewed, he said, uh, this is a quote, I trained myself to view people as objects of pleasure instead of as people. So for this reason, beginning in June 1986, he administered sleeping pills to his partners, giving them liquor laced with sedatives. 
He then waited for his partner to fall asleep before performing various sexual acts. Okay. Yeah. To maintain his supply of this medication, Dahmer told doctors that he worked nights and he needed the sedatives to help adjust his, you know, internal clock. Okay. After about 12 of these instances, the bathhouse's administration revoked Dahmer's membership. And he began to use hotel rooms to continue this practice. Oh, my God. Shortly after... You can't stop me! (laughs) Can't stop, won't stop. (laughs) Um, Shortly after his membership of the bathhouses was revoked, Dahmer read a report in a newspaper regarding the upcoming funeral of an 18-year-old male. He had an idea to steal the freshly interred corpse and oh, take it home. Jesus. But according to Dahmer, he tried to dig the coffin up, but the ground was too hard. And so he was just like, fuck this and went home. Okay. On September 8th, 1986, Dahmer was arrested on a charge of lewd and lascivious behavior for masturbating in the presence of two 12-year-old boys. Lascivious. I know. That's I such like, a big word. I like that word. That's grown folk shit. I, yeah. <laughs> He initially claimed he had been urinating, unaware that there were witnesses, but soon just admitted that he whipped his wiener up. My God, put your dick in your pants. <laughs> Keep your dick in your pants. <laughs> the charge was a change to disorderly conduct, which I don't understand why they changed it. because Probably because white male privilege. Yeah. Um, but on March 10th, 1987, Dahmer was sentenced to one year of probation with additional instructions that he was to undergo counseling. It's his second offense. Yeah. And he got probation. Well, his second sexual offense. Yeah. Because he got a drunken disorderly, too. Oh, my God. Um, on November 20th, 1987, Dahmer encountered a 25-year-old man from Ontonagon, Michigan. Did I say that right? Ontonagon. Yeah. Uh, on Tonagon. Sounds good to me. I don't, That's I don't it. know how she would. That works. Stephen Tuomi. I think I'm saying that properly. I'm probably going to fuck up a lot of words. That's okay. But, you know, I'm trying. I still get it. But he encountered Stephen Tuomi at a bar and talked him into going back to the Ambassador Hotel with him in Milwaukee where he had a room for the night. And according to Dahmer, he had no intention of murdering him. He just wanted to simply drug him and lie beside him as he explored his body. Hmm. The next morning, though, Dahmer awoke to find Tuomi lying beneath him on the bed, his chest crushed in and black and blue with bruises. Blood was also seeping from the corners of his mouth, and Dahmer's fists and one of his forearms were extensively bruised. Damn, bro. That's that's, That's some real rough sex right there. Right? Dahmer stated that he had no memory of having killed him and later informed investigators that he couldn't couldn't believe it happened. To dispose of Tuomi's body, Dahmer bought a large suitcase that he used to move the body to his grandmother's house. A week later, he severed the head, arms, and legs from the torso, then filleted the bones from the body before cutting the flesh into pieces small enough to handle. Dahmer then placed the flesh inside plastic garbage bags. He wrapped the bones inside a sheet and pounded them into splinters with a sledgehammer. Jesus. The entire dismemberment process took Dahmer approximately two hours to complete. That's it? That's it. It must have been like he adrenaline. Was I don't know. Or maybe since he let it rot in a suitcase for a week, it wasn't as hard. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. But then he disposed of the remains, excluding the severed head in the trash. 
What did he do with the severed head? I'm about to tell you. <laughs> so, for a total of two weeks following the murder, Dahmer kept the victim's head wrapped in a blanket. Ugh. He boiled the head in a mixture of industrial detergent and bleach in an effort to re- retain the skull. Yeah, like Daddy showed him when he was little. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Science. Science. <laughs> which he then used as stimulus for masturbation. Yeah. Eventually, the skull was rendered too brittle from the bleaching process, mm-hmm. so he pulverized it. Okay. Following the murder, Dahmer began to actively seek victims. Most he encountered in or close to gay bars, and he typically lured them to his grandmother's home. <laughs> I just can't. I just can't. Because he must be digs. <laughs> I mean, I... I've got this chick for a roommate, but she makes some bomb-ass cookies. Because <laughs> oh all grandmas make good cookies, right? <laughs> Shit. <laughs> it's true. He would drug his victim before or shortly after engaging in sexual activity with him. Once he rendered his victim unconscious with sleeping pills, he killed them by strangulation. Two months after the Tuomi killing, Dahmer encountered a 14-year-old Native American male prostitute named James Doxtater. Doxtater? Doxtater. Doxtater. Yeah. Okay. And Dahmer lured him to the home with an offer of $50 to pose for nude pictures. Oh, my God. The pair engaged in sexual activity before Dahmer drugged him and strangled him on the floor of the cellar. Dahmer left the body in the cellar for one week before dismembering it in much the same manner as he had with Tuami. He placed all of Doc Tater's remains, excluding the skull, in the trash. Oh, God. The skull was boiled and cleansed and bleached before Dahmer noted it had been rendered too brittle by the process, and he pulverized the skull two weeks later. I want to know something. What was he doing with these skulls? Like, jerking off to him. Yeah, but I mean, was... was mm, okay. I don't know. I want to know why ha- Grandma can't smell that body right <laughs> That's in the cellar. A- yeah, I was thinking that, too. Uh, come on, Grandmommy. Come on, Mama. May, I don't know. They're I- old. When, when you get older, you lose your sense of smell and all that shit. Do so you? You do. You lose taste and smell and hearing and sight. and So that's why old people eat the way they do? Yes. <laughs> and they're always cold. Fuck. I'm yeah. going to be screwed, bro. I know. <laughs> Oh my god, I don't want to be old. I don't want to be old either. It's so depressing. I know. Let's move talk, on. Let's talk about something else. <laughs> let's, let's talk let's about brittle skulls instead. Yes. Cannibalism. Mm. All right. On March 24th, 1988, Dahmer met a 22-year-old bisexual man named Richard Guerrero outside a gay bar. Dahmer lured Guerrero to his grandma's house. Um, although the incentive on this occasion was $50 to simply spend the remainder of the night with him. He then uh, drugged Guerrero with sleeping pills and strangled him with a leather strap. Uh, then Dahmer performed oral sex on the corpse. Because okay. why would you not? Yeah. And then he dismembered Guerrero's body within 24 hours of murdering him and disposed of the remains in the trash and kept the skull before pulverizing it several months later. You know, I'd ask how he could do oral sex on the corpse, but we learned that from a uh, home chick, Karen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Apparently it can be done. It can be done. (laughs) Things can be done. Gross. Uh Uh-huh. A lot. On April 23rd, Dahmer lured another young man to his house. 
However, after giving the victim a drug coffee, both he and the victim heard Dahmer's grandma call, Is that you, Jeff? (laughs) Is that you, Jeff? There you go. (laughs) Uh, He replied in a way uh, that led his grandmother to believe that he was alone, but she quickly observed that he was not. Uh, Because of this, Dahmer opted not to kill this victim. Instead, he waited until he became unconscious and took him to the county general hospital and just dropped him off there. Okay. In September 1988, Dahmer's grandmother asked him to move out, mostly because of his drinking, his habit of bringing young men to her house late at night, and the foul smells occasionally coming from Ah! both the basement and the garage. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, she did smell it. All right. But, uh, honey, but she, but honey. she didn't say anything? Like, uh, not for a long ass time. No. It's 1988 now. That's like, what, three years? Yeah. Four years. Um, oh, my God. Dahmer found a one bedroom apartment at 808 North 24th Street and moved into his new home on September 25th. The next day, the very next day, mm. he was arrested for drugging and sexually fondling a 13-year-old boy that he lured to his home on the pretext of posing nude for photographs. God. I can't. These boys need a Nintendo. <laughs> they need something. Get back in the house. Oh, my God. <laughs> and for goodness sake, Ashton's going to have to get a lengthy talk about not posing nude. <laughs> No matter how many dollars is offered no. to you. Jeez. Oh, my God. Dahmer's father hired an attorney named Gerald Boyle to defend his son. At Boyle's request, Dahmer underwent a series of psychological evaluations prior to his court hearings. These evaluations revealed that he harbored deep feelings of alienation. Another evaluation a couple months later revealed that he was an impulsive individual, suspicious of others, and dismayed by his lack of accomplishments in life. As we all are. Yeah, we all feel that. Okay. <laughs> his- Deal with it. <laughs> Just be miserable like the rest yes. of us. Yes. <laughs> Just keep chugging along like everything is fine. Yeah. That is adulting. Yep. His probation officer would also reference a 1987 diagnosis of Dahmer suffering from a schizoid personality disorder for presentation to the court. Yeah. So, in January 1989, Dahmer was convicted of second-degree sexual assault and of enticing a child for immoral purposes. Sentencing for the assault was suspended until May 1989. On March 20th, Dahmer had a 10-day Easter absence from work, so like a, a break, like an Easter break. For 10 days. Yeah. We're going to have to talk to boss man. I guess that's what they do at the chocolate factory. I don't know. <laughs> oh, my God. You work know. at a chocolate factory and you get off 10 days for Easter? Hey. That's legit. Hey. That's legit. <laughs> but he moved back in with Grandma during Easter break. Because <laughs> apparently he can't be left on his own. No. It took him one day to get arrested. <laughs> Oh, God. Two months after his conviction and two months prior to his sentencing for the sexual assault, he murdered his fifth victim, Mm. a mixed-race 24-year-old aspiring model named Anthony Sears. He met him at a gay bar on March 25th, 1989. According to Dahmer, he was not looking to commit a crime, but shortly before closing time that evening, Sears just started talking to him. So he had to. Yeah. You talk to Dahmer, you, you get dead. (laughs) That's just how it goes, I guess. (laughs) Dahmer lured Sears to his grandmother's home where the pair engaged in oral sex before Dahmer drugged and strangled him. 
The next morning, Dahmer placed the corpse in his grandmother's bathtub where he decapitated the body before attempting to flay the corpse. Mm. Uh, he then stripped the flesh from the body and pulverized the bones, which he again disposed of in the trash. According to Dahmer, he found Sears exceptionally attractive, and Sears was the first victim that he kept any body parts. He preserved Sears' head and genitalia in acetone and stored them in a wooden box, which he later placed in his work locker. Okay. <laughs> when he moved to a new address the following year, he took the remains with him. <laughs> he was just so attractive that he had to save his head and penis. Come on, Anthony. You coming with me, baby. <laughs> oh I was going to ask, did he sear and cook him? Oh, my God. <laughs> not not yet. Okay. He, no, he didn't cook anybody in Grandma's kitchen. No. <laughs> he had that much respect for Grandma. Thank God. On May 23rd, 1989, Dahmer was sentenced to five years probation and one year in the House of Correction with work release permitted in order uh, that he be able to keep his job. Uh, he was also required to register as a sex offender. Yeah. So two months before his scheduled release from the work camp, Dahmer was paroled. His five years probation imposed on in 1989 began at that point. Okay. On release, Dahmer temporarily moved back into Grandma's house <laughs> in May 1990, um, moving into the Oxford Apartments located on North 25th Street in Milwaukee. Although located in a high-crime area, the apartment was close to work, it was furnished, and it was $300 a month with bills included except for electricity. Okay. Yeah, I'd live there too. Yeah. He took Sears' mummified head and genitals with him. Oh, good. Yeah. Like his first home decor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do you think he had a housewarming party yeah i'm I'm pretty sure he did you know <laughs> oh god i wonder it, if he got he like a food dehydrator <laughs> <laughs> you can just see his registry now meat grinder <laughs> i was just gonna say if jeffrey dahmer had an amazon wish list what do you think would be on it? Hmm. Air fryer, dehydrator, meat grinder. DM us and let us know what you think would be on his list. It's what we got so far. We may get like a random message, you know. Bleach. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely some Meat bleach. tenderizer. Oh, there you go. There you go. A lot, lots of uh, gallon storage bags. Yeah, maybe some of the reusable ones so we can be economical. Oh. <laughs> Ugh. I can't. You're saying uh to that, and we're talking about storing body parts in them. <laughs> it makes it even worse if we reuse them. Reusable, I mean, that's contamination. You don't want to mix the bodies together, the juices. What, I mean, what if he puts wouldn't... the same blood type in, the same, in that bag? Oh, my God. Or you could, like, mix... Put all the hearts in this bag. Asian, like spice it up, you know. <laughs> Throw a little bit of white meat in there. <laughs> Make some fajitas. <laughs> I can't. I can't. <laughs> Cream of some young guy. <laughs> Within one week of moving, Dahmer had killed his sixth victim, Raymond Smith. Smith was a 32-year-old male prostitute that Dahmer had lured to his apartment with the promise of $50 for sex. Him with the $50. Oh, my God. 
Does he just like go to the bank and cash his paychecks and just ask for fifties? Like, yeah, I don't get it. I mean, they they were more common back then. Yeah. He gave Smith a drink laced with seven sleeping pills. Jesus. Then manually strangled him. The next day, Dahmer bought a Polaroid camera, which he took several pictures of Smith's body in suggestive positions before dismembering him in the bathroom. It's the way to do it. He... (laughs) Get you a Polaroid. Can't be traced. He boiled the legs, arms, and pelvis in a steel kettle, then rinsed the bones in the sink. He dissolved the remainder of Smith's skeleton, excluding the skull, of course. Okay. In a container filled with acid. He later spray-painted Smith's skull, which he placed alongside the skull of Sears upon a black towel inside of a metal filing cabinet. Okay. About a week after the murder of Smith, Dahmer lured another young man to his apartment. On this occasion, however, Dahmer himself accidentally consumed a drink (laughs) laden with sedatives. When he awoke the following day, he discovered his intended victim had stolen several items of clothing, $300, and a watch. Of course, he didn't report this incident. No. But he did tell his probation officer that he got robbed. Now, if he had stolen the skulls, I bet he would have called the police on that. Those are important. (laughs) 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 It's... It's like you that. can't put a value on that. <laughs> Especially after he spray painted it. I mean, my God. It's art. It's <laughs> okay. In June 1990, Dahmer lured a 27-year-old acquaintance named Edward Smith to his apartment. He drugged and strangled Smith. And rather than immediately acidifying the skeleton or repeating any of the previous processes of bleaching... Which made the skulls brittle before. He placed Smith's skeleton in the freezer for several months in the hope that it would not hold moisture. Mm. But freezing the skeleton did not remove moisture and the skeleton of this victim would be acidified several months later. Dahmer accidentally destroyed the skull when he placed it uh, in the oven to dry. Mm. It caused the skull to explode. Duh. So. (laughs) Is that what happens to all your skulls? Yeah. Every time. I mean, <laughs> Dahmer himself <laughs> was later, uh, he later informed police that he had felt rotten about Smith's murder since he had been unable to retain any parts of his body. That's what made him feel bad, that he couldn't save any body parts. So it was, it was worthless. It was all for naught. Yeah. It was- <laughs> <laughs> there you go. It was all for naught. <laughs> it's being poetic. Less than three months after the murder of Smith, Dahmer encountered a 22-year-old Chicago native named Ernest Miller outside a bookstore on the corner of North 27th Street. Miller agreed to accompany Dahmer to his apartment for $50 and further agreed to allow him to listen to his heart and stomach. What? He's obsessed with the chest and torso. Okay. When Dahmer attempted to perform oral sex on Miller, he was informed that'll cost you extra. (laughs) As it should. (laughs) Dahmer then gave his intended victim a drink (laughs) laced with two sleeping pills. But since he only had two sleeping pills, he killed Miller by slashing his carotid artery with the same knife he used to dissect his victim's bodies. Mm. Miller bled to death within minutes, and Dahmer posed the nude body for various suggestive Polaroids. 
before placing the body in his bathtub, you know, for dismemberment. So he's just got blood everywhere. Yeah. No. It's it's fine. It's too it's, much of a mess. That's his own place, though. He's got his own place now. Yeah, okay. It still stinks. <laughs> blood still stinks. Um, Everything in there stinks. <sighs> Are you kidding me? Can you imagine? Dahmer repeatedly kissed and talked to the severed head while he dismembered the remainder of the body. Dahmer wrapped Miller's heart, biceps, and portions of flesh from the legs in plastic bags and placed them in the fridge for later consumption. Okay, there we go. There's the cannibalism. He boiled the remaining flesh and organs into a jelly-like substance, which enabled him to rinse it off the skeleton because he wanted to keep it. To preserve the skeleton, Dahmer placed the bones in a light bleach solution for 24 hours and then let them dry on a cloth for a week. The severed head was initially placed in the refrigerator before also being stripped of flesh, then painted and coated with enamel. Oh, he's getting fancier every time. More art. Oh, my God. Three weeks after the murder of Miller on September 24th, Dahmer encountered a 22-year-old man named David Thomas at the Grand Avenue Mall and persuaded him to return to his apartment for a few drinks with additional money, I bet $50, 50 bucks. on offer if he would pose for photographs. Not $50. Thank you, <laughs> In his statement to police after his arrest, Dahmer said, uh, after giving Thomas a drink with sedatives, he did not feel attracted to him anymore. But he was afraid to allow him to wake up in case he might be angry over having been drugged. No, he's just a lightweight. Bro, are you okay? Oh, my God. <laughs> he strangled him and dismembered the body, not keeping any of the body parts. So he wasn't attracted to him, so he didn't want to keep the body parts. No, but he killed him anyways. Yeah, and he went ahead and photographed uh, the dismemberment process and kept the photographs. Well, at least he got something out of it. Yeah. Uh, hmm. And that actually aided in Thomas's identification later on. So, Aha. After the murder of Thomas, Dahmer did not kill anyone for almost five months. Yes, you go, boy. Get that five-month chip. <laughs> Although, on a minimum of five occasions between October 1990 and February 1991, he unsuccessfully attempted to lure men to his apartment. So he was still trying. He just wasn't getting any. He lives in his touch. Yep. He's getting older. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he is also known to have regularly complained of feelings of both anxiety and depression to his probation officer throughout 1990. With frequent references to his sexuality, his solitary lifestyle, and financial difficulties. Also on several occasions, Dahmer was known to have referred to uh, harboring suicidal thoughts. Mm-hmm. In February 1991, Dahmer observed a 17-year-old named Curtis Strotter standing at a bus stop near Marquette University. According to Dahmer, he lured Strotter into his apartment with an offer of money, $50, <laughs> proposing for nude photos with the added incentive of sexual intercourse. Dahmer drugged Strotter, cuffed his hands behind his back, then strangled him to death with a leather strap. Then he dismembered him, but kept his skull, hands, and genitals, and photographed each stage of the dismemberment process. Less than two months later, on April 7th, Dahmer encountered a 19-year-old named Errol Lindsay walking to go get a key made. Uh, Lindsay was a heterosexual. Dahmer lured Lindsay to his apartment where he drugged him. I want to know how he lured him if he knew he was a heterosexual. Hey, man, you want to come have a beer? Maybe. Yeah. I got beer and pizza. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Got the Playboy channel. I got $50. <laughs> but he lured him to his apartment, drugged him, drilled a hole in his skull, and poured hydrochloric <gasps> acid into it. 
According to Dahmer, Lindsay yeah. awoke after this experiment. I was about to say, is this the one that was still alive? Yeah, he woke up okay. after the experiment and said, I have a headache. What time is it? <laughs> so Dahmer tried to do that because he was trying to make a permanent submissive sex toy, pretty much. So do a lobotomy. <laughs> well, that was his version. Yeah, okay. <laughs> he was doing a Dahmer. <laughs> so after he woke up and, you know, said what, asked what time it was, uh, Dahmer again drugged him and then strangled him. Because okay. he just wanted him to be alive and unconscious for <sighs> like a prolonged period of time. Okay. But he went ahead and decapitated Lindsay and kept his skull and then flayed Lindsay's body, placing the skin in a solution of cold water and salt for several weeks in the hope of permanently retaining it. Reluctantly, he disposed of Lindsay's skin when he noticed that it became too frayed and brittle. It's not how you make jerky, bruh. He needs that dehydrator. Yep. I'm just saying. Somebody go buy it for him. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. By 1991, fellow residents of the Oxford Apartments had repeatedly complained to the building's manager of foul smells emanating from apartment 213. In addition to the sounds of falling objects and the occasional sounds of chainsaw. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's odd for an apartment building. Yeah. I mean, I guess so. You know. So she did contact Dahmer in response to the complaints on several occasions, although he initially excused the odors. Um, as being caused by his freezer breaking. Sure. And making his food spoiled. Oh, that does stink. Yeah, it does. Oh. On later occasions, he informed her that the reason for the resurgence of the odor was that several of his tropical fish had recently died and that he would take care of the matter. He's going to run out of excuses eventually. Yeah. One of these days. I'm a hoarder. <laughs> Back <laughs> off. On the afternoon of May 26, 1991, Dahmer encountered a 14-year-old Lao teenager. Okay. I'm going to attempt this name. Okay. Conorak. Synth Saxophone. <laughs> there is not even an X in there. <laughs> Synthesophone. Almost Constant Avenue. <laughs> <laughs> by coincidence he was the younger brother of the boy who Dahmer had molested in 1988 oh my god freaky right yeah uh he approached the youth with an offer of money probably 50 dollars mm -hmm. to accompany him to his apartment to pose for polaroid pictures did he not learn anything when his older brother disappeared apparently not god According to Dahmer, uh, the boy was initially reluctant to the proposal mm. before changing his mind and accompanying Dahmer to his apartment where he posed for two pictures in his underwear before he was drugged and uh, unconscious and Dahmer performed oral sex on him. Then Dahmer drilled a single hole into the boy's skull through which he injected hydrochloric acid into his frontal lobe. Mm. Before the boy fell unconscious, Dahmer led him to the bedroom where the body of 31-year-old Tony Hughes, whom Dahmer had killed three days earlier, lay naked on the floor. According to Dahmer, he believed that the boy saw the body, but he didn't react to seeing the bloated corpse, probably because of the effects of the sleeping pills and, you know, the hole in his he head with acid saying, in he it. He had a hole in his head with acid. Ugh. Okay. So, the kid soon became unconscious and... uh Dahmer, while the boy was unconscious, decided to drink several beers while laying next to him before leaving his apartment to go have a drink at a bar and to purchase more alcohol. Priorities. So he's got an unconscious boy and a dead and man a dead body. 
chilling in his bedroom and he goes to the bar sure it's been a long hard day at work (laughs) in the early morning hours of may 27th Dahmer was returning to his apartment and discovered the boy sitting naked on the corner talking in loud with three distressed young women standing near him okay this is the one i was thinking of (laughs) yeah Dahmer approached the women and told them that the boy who uh, Dahmer was referring to him by his alias, John Mong, 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 John, uh, (laughs) was his friend and attempted to lead him back to his apartment by the arm. The three women dissuaded Dahmer, telling them that he had they had already called 911. No, he's got a hole in his head. Uh, Yeah. We're calling the police. Right. Oh, my God. So, on the arrival of three Milwaukee police officers, Dahmer's demeanor relaxed. He told the officers that the boy was his 19-year-old boyfriend. This kid is, like, 13. Yeah. But he said it was his 19-year-old boyfriend and that he had drunk too much uh, after a fight and that he frequently acted like that when he was drunk and that he had been drinking Jack Daniels that evening. Yeah. He didn't really drink Jack Daniels. I know, but I I do. (laughs) The three women were exasperated, and when one of the women tried to uh, point out to the officers that the boy had blood on his testicles, was bleeding from his rectum, and that he had seemingly struggled against Dahmer's attempts to walk him to his apartment, the officer harshly informed her to butt out and told her to shut the hell up and not to interfere. The fuck? Because men... Against the protests of the three women, the three officers simply covered the boy with a towel and walked him to Dahmer's apartment, where, in an effort to verify his claim that he and the boy were lovers, Dahmer showed the police officers the two semi-nude Polaroid pictures that he took the previous night. Okay. He showed the naked pics to the police officers and, like, see, he's my boyfriend. Uh, This isn't child porn. Look. Yeah. Ugh. One of the officers said that he didn't smell anything unusual, but another later stated that he noted a strange scent reminiscent of excrement Ooh. inside the apartment. Gross. How are you a cop and not know what a dead body sounds like? smells like is what I want to know. I mean, if they've never come in contact with one. <sighs> People say you know what death smells like, though. Like, even if you've never smelled it before, it's... Yeah. It is nasty. It is a... Na- it's It stinks. Mm-hmm. That odor was emanating from the decomposing body of Hughes, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, Dahmer stated that to investigate the odor, one of the officers uh, simply peeked his head around the bedroom, but didn't take a good look. Apparently Obviously. not. <laughs> uh. Oh, my God. <laughs> Way to go, Milwaukee Police Department. Can I just say? Uh, the officers then left with a departing remark that Dahmer take good care of the boy. Jesus. <laughs> yeah. This incident was listed by the officers as a domestic dispute. After the three officers left the apartment, Dahmer again injected hydrochloric acid into uh, the the kid's brain. Sure. On the second occasion, the injection proved fatal. The next day, Dahmer took a day's leave from work to devote himself to the dismemberment of the bodies of Synthesome Phone and Hughes. He kept both of the victim's skulls. Styrofoam. Styrofoam and Hughes? Yeah. Okay. That works. <laughs> um, on June 30th, Dahmer traveled to Chicago where he encountered a 20-year-old named Matt Turner at a bus station. 
Turner accepted Dahmer's offer to travel to Milwaukee for a professional photo shoot. At the apartment, Dahmer drugged, strangled, and dismembered Turner and placed his head and internal organs in separate plastic bags in the freezer. See, he really needs more bags. Yeah. He uses them a lot. He needs to go to Sam's. Yes. Costco. Sam's Club membership. That's what he needs for That's his housewarming. That's what he needs. Ugh. Okay. Got it. <laughs> we are fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> Turner was not reported missing. Five days later, on July 5th, Dahmer lured 23-year-old Jeremiah Weinberger from a Chicago bar to his apartment on the promise of spending the weekend with him. He drugged Weinberger and twice injected boiling water through <gasps> his skull, sending him into a coma from which he died two days yeah. later. Of course. Oh, my God. On July 15th, Dahmer encountered 24-year-old Oliver Lacey at the corner of 27th and Kilbourne. Lacey agreed to Dahmer's ruse of posing nude for photographs and accompanied him to his apartment where the pair engaged in sexual activity before Dahmer drugged Lacey. On this occasion... Dahmer intended to prolong the time he spent with Lacey while alive. After unsuccessfully attempting to render Lacey unconscious with chloroform, he called work to request a day off. I just, I just figured out why he keeps giving them $50. Because he only had to pull it out one time. <laughs> because he kills them every time. He, he kills, kills them right every back. time. So he keeps reusing the, the same $50 that his grandma probably gave him for his birthday. <laughs> Fuck. Oh, my God. <laughs> I, I feel so dense right now that I didn't even think about that. <laughs> well, that's fantastic. There we go. That explains it. We got the $50 figured out. Yep. It's solved. <clears throat> After unsuccessfully attempting to render Lacey unconscious with chloroform, he called work to request the day off, and they granted it, although the next day he was suspended. <laughs> Don't you love it when they do that? Mm -hmm. Sure, you can you take the day off, off, but don't come in tomorrow or the next day yeah. or the next day. Just hang out at home till we call you. Yeah. Don't call us. We'll call you. <laughs> <laughs> After strangling Lacey, Dahmer had sex with the corpse before dismembering him. Mm. He placed Lacey's head and heart in the refrigerator and a skeleton in the freezer. Four days later, on July 19th, Dahmer received word that he was fired. There it is. Yep, we called it. Upon receipt of this news, Dahmer lured 25-year-old Joseph Bredehoft to his apartment. Bredehoft was strangled and left lying on Dahmer's bed, covered with a sheet for two days. Gross! I know! In your own bed! I know! Bruh! <laughs> on July 21st, Dahmer removed the sheets to find the head covered in maggots. Ugh! Duh! So then he decided to decapitate the body, clean the head, and place it in the refrigerator. Okay. He later um, acidified Bredehoff's torso along with those other two victims killed within the previous month. Oh, my God. I know. I just can't. He's, I, like, I'm, my eyes are, like, this whole so story over here. <laughs> because this whole story is just one big giant, what in the actual fuck? <sighs> There's so many victims. Like, really close together. I know. Hang on. Hang on. I got more. Okay. On July 22nd, 1991, Dahmer approached three men with an offer of $100 oh. to accompany him to his apartment to pose for nude photographs, drink beer, and simply keep him company. One of the trio, 32-year-old Tracy Edwards, agreed to accompany him to his apartment. 
Upon entering Dahmer's apartment, Edwards noted a foul odor and several boxes of hydrochloric acid on the floor, mm-hmm. which Dahmer claimed to use for cleaning bricks. Okay. <laughs> oh, I just use that to clean my bricks. <laughs> That's weird too, bro. Yeah. That's weird too. Okay. Where's the bricks at? <laughs> After some minor conversation, Edwards responded to Dahmer's request to turn his head and view his tropical fish. And that's when Dahmer uh, placed a handcuff on his wrist. When Edwards asked what's happening, Dahmer unsuccessfully attempted to cuff his wrists together, then told Edwards to accompany him to the bedroom to pose for nude pictures. While inside the bedroom, Edwards noted nude male posters on the wall and that a videotape of The Exorcist 3 was playing. Oh, set in the mood! <laughs> right. He also noted a blue 57-gallon <laughs> drum in the corner from which a strong odor emanated. <laughs> I Dom- gotta go. <laughs> Dahmer then brandished a knife and informed Edwards that he intended to take nude pictures of him. In an attempt to appease Dahmer, Edwards unbuttoned his shirt, saying that he would allow him to take those pictures if he would just take the handcuffs off and put the knife away. Yeah. In response to that, Dahmer simply turned his attention towards the TV. This is where shit gets a little weirder. Okay. Edwards then observed Dahmer rocking back and forth and chanting before turning his attention back to him. Okay. Yeah. He just took creepy to the next level. Right? He placed his head on Edwards' chest, listened to his heartbeat, and with the knife pressed against his victim, told Edwards he intended to eat his heart. That's weird. Oh, that's I mean, so you know, sweet. like all the other stuff wasn't weird. Yeah. That's really weird. No, this is cuckoo. And continuous attempts to prevent Dahmer from attacking him, Edwards kept repeating that he was his friend and he wasn't going to run away. Uh, but Edwards had decided that he was either going to jump from a window or run through the unlocked front door. Why did you leave the door unlocked? Come on, Jeff. Get your shit together, bro. Um, but the next opportunity he got, he was going to try to make a run for it. So he kept telling Dahmer that he had to go to the bathroom and asked if they could move to the living room where there was air conditioner. And Oh, yeah. No, you got to be in. Whoa. Yeah. You got to yeah. be in the AC. Come mm. on. Right. Um, but Edwards waited until uh, Dahmer had a lapse in concentration before requesting again to use the bathroom. And this time when he got up from the couch, he saw that Dahmer wasn't holding the handcuffs. So he punched him in the face. Mm. Edwards punched Jeffrey Dahmer in the face and knocked him off balance and ran out of the front door. Good for you. Get it, King. Yes. At 1130... P.M. on July 22nd, Edwards flagged down two Milwaukee police officers at the corner of North 25th Street. The officers noted Edwards had a handcuff attached to his wrist where he explained to them that a, quote, freak, yeah, uh, had placed the handcuffs on him and asked the police if they could remove them. When the officer's handcuffs keys, hand, officer's handcuff keys failed to fit the brand of handcuffs, Edwards agreed to take the officers to the apartment where this happened. When they got to apartment 213, Dahmer invited the trio inside and acknowledged that he had placed the handcuffs on Edwards, although he offered no explanation as to why. He told them about uh, Dahmer brandishing the large knife upon him and that it all happened in the bedroom. Dahmer made no comments about it, indicating to one of the officers that the handcuff keys were in his bedside dresser. 
as one of the officers entered the bedroom, Dahmer attempted to pass him up so he could go get the key himself. Mm -hmm. But the other officer informed him he needed to back off. In the bedroom, the officer noted that there was indeed a large knife on the bed, or beneath the bed, excuse me. He also saw an open drawer, which, upon closer inspection, contained scores of Polaroid pictures, Mm -hmm. many of which were of human (sighs) bodies in various stages of dismemberment. Busted. Yep. The officer noted the decor indicated that they had been taken in the very apartment that they were standing in. He walked into the living room to show them to his partner, uttering the words, these are for real. Huh, so the Polaroids got him busted. Yeah. Oh, funny. Okay. <laughs> when Dahmer saw that he was holding the Polaroids, he fought with the officers in an effort to resist arrest. The officers quickly overpowered him, cuffed his hands behind his back, and called a second squad car for backup. Of Good. Course. At this point, the officer opened the refrigerator to reveal the freshly severed head of a black male on the bottom shelf. Oh, my God. As, I know, as Dahmer lay pinned on the floor beneath the other officer, he turned his head to look at them and said, for what I did, I should be dead. Oh. Yeah. Dahmer said that. Okay. A more detailed search of the apartment conducted by the Milwaukee Police's Criminal Investigation Bureau Uh, revealed a total of four severed heads in Dahmer's kitchen. A total of seven skulls, some painted and some bleached. No bedazzles? (laughs) Apparently he hadn't gotten that creative in his art yet. (sighs) But those were found in Dahmer's bedroom and inside a closet. In addition, investigators discovered blood drippings on a tray at the bottom of the refrigerator, plus two human hearts and a portion of arm muscle, Mm. each wrapped inside plastic bags upon the shelves. In Dahmer's freezer, investigators discovered an entire torso, plus a bag of human organs and flesh stuck to the ice at the bottom. Oh, gross. Right? Elsewhere in the apartment, investigators discovered two entire skeletons, a pair of severed hands, two severed and preserved penises, a mummified scalp, and in the 57-gallon drum, three further dismembered torsos dissolving in acid solution. And a partridge and a pear tree. Okay. Um, so if you want to go to the notes, I do have a picture of the 57 gallon drum of, uh, police taking it out of the apartment in hazmat, hazmat suits because, you know, there was three torsos and acid in that drum. Gross. Gross. He had that chilling in his bedroom just next to his bed. No. uh, I know. That's so gross. Boy, why? Put it in the living room. Boy, why? Or at least in the kitchen where you keep the rest of the body parts. I can't. I can't. Oh, my God. (laughs) A total of 74 Polaroid pictures detailing the dismemberment of Dahmer's victims were found. In reference to the recovery of body parts and artifacts, the chief medical uh, examiner later stated, quote, it was more like dismantling someone's museum than an actual crime scene. Yeah, that's great. Beginning in the early hours of July 23rd, 1991, Dahmer was questioned by Detective Patrick Kennedy as to the murders he had committed and the evidence found at his apartment. Um, if you want to hop over to the notes one more again. Yeah. I have his mugshot. Oh. <laughs> He's got the crazy eyes. He does have the crazy eyes, but he ditched the glasses. He's got some bone structure. I mean. If you ask me, he's better looking than Ted Bundy. I think so. I think Ted Bunny. I don't like. Think I don't Ted like Bundy's his little cute. beady eyes, and I he's like, got the unibrow thing. He, oh God! I don't think Ted Bundy's cute. I don't either. 
Thank you. Thank Je- you. Yeah, Jeffrey Dahmer's pretty attractive. Look at his little chin. Oh my god. I'm ready for Evan Peters. <laughs> oh, Evan oh Peters. <laughs> yes, that's going to be fabulous. I'm so ready for that one. Yeah, if y'all don't know, Evan Peters is going to play Jeffrey Dahmer. That's a thing. It's oh coming. Oh my god, I cannot wait. I think it's going to be on Netflix. Is it a Netflix documentary? I hope so. I don't know. I don't care. I will. Oh, I do have other TV now, so I can watch it no matter what it's on. Yeah. I've had other TV before. I just refused to learn how to use it, but now I have a fire stick and I can just find all things easily. It's so much easier. I get all the things. Yep. Over the following two weeks, Kennedy <laughs> and later Detective Dennis Murphy conducted numerous interviews with Dahmer, which when combined totaled over 60 hours. Oh my God. Dahmer waived his right to have a lawyer present throughout the, his interrogations Adding, he wished to confess all as he had, quote, created this horror and it only makes sense I do everything to put an end to it, end quote. Okay. Yeah. I have mixed feelings about this whole thing here. Mm-hmm. Um, he readily am- admitted to having murdered 16 young men in Wisconsin since 1987 with one further victim, Stephen Hicks, killed in Ohio back in 1978. Most of Dahmer's victims had been rendered unconscious prior to their murder, Although some had died as a result of having acid or boiling water injected into their brain. Mm -hmm. As he had no memory of the murder of his second victim, Stephen Tuomi, he was unsure whether he was unconscious when beaten to death. Although he did concede it was possible that his viewing the exposed chest of Tuomi while in a drunken stupor may have led him to unsuccessfully attempt to tear Tuomi's heart from his chest. Oh, shit. That's the one that he said he never meant to kill. That was the one that was in the hotel room and he woke up with like his chest was all caved in and shit. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Almost all the murders Dahmer committed after moving into the Oxford apartments had involved a ritual of posing the victim's bodies in suggestive positions, typically with the chest thrust outwards prior to dismemberment. Gross. Dahmer readily admitted to engaging in necrophilia with several of his victims' bodies, including performing sexual acts with them as he d- as he dismembered their bodies in the oh, bathtub. Gross. Oh, gross! Yeah. <laughs> Having did he, did he do an Ed Kemper? Did he, <laughs> ew! Probably a lot. Ew! 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 ew. Probably a lot. Ew. Having noted that much of the blood pooled inside his victims' chest after death, Dahmer first removed their internal organs. Then suspended the torso so the blood drained into the bathtub before dicing any organs he did not wish to keep impairing the flesh from the body. Mm -hmm. The bones he wished to dispose of were pulverized or acidified with detergent and bleach solutions used to aid in the preservation of uh, skeletons that he wished to keep. Okay. In addition, he confessed to having consumed hearts, livers, biceps, and portions of thighs of several victims he had killed within the previous... Year often tenderizing the flesh and organs prior to consuming them alongside condiments. <laughs> so, you know, just some leg meat with some ketchup. Mm-hmm. Ew, no, not ketchup. The leg. No. I don't know. Ew. What other condiment are you going to use? Ranch? Ranch? <laughs> Honey mustard? Yeah. Barbecue sauce? Mm. Mm. Getting interesting. I mean, it does taste, it's supposedly like pork, so. Long pig. <laughs> <laughs> nope, 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 nope. Think okay. of that next time you eat a tenderloin. <laughs> I don't want to. D- 
Describing the increase in his rate of killing in the two months prior to his arrest, Dahmer stated that he had been completely swept along with his compulsion to kill, adding, quote, it was an incessant and never-ending desire to be with someone at whatever cost. Someone good-looking, really nice-looking. It just filled my thoughts all day long, end quote. Yeah. I, I can't. When asked as to why he had preserved a total of seven skulls and the entire skeletons of two victims, Dahmer stated he had been in the process of constructing a private altar of victim skulls, which he had intended to display on the black table located in his living room and upon which he had photographed the bodies of many of his victims. Okay. Okay. <sighs> I want to know what made him pick those seven skulls, though. Like what They were the most so good looking ones. Oh, yeah. Okay. And remember in the beginning, he wasn't preserving them correctly and they were brittle and he had to pulverize them. Yeah. When asked in a November 18th, 1991 interview whom the altar was dedicated to, Dahmer replied, quote, myself. Duh. It was a place where I could feel at home, end quote. <laughs> he further described his intended altar as a place <laughs> of meditation from where he believed he could draw a sense of power, adding, quote, if this referring to his arrest, had happened six months later, that's what they would have found. His trophy quote. case. Yeah. Okay. So, getting into uh, the legalities here. Ah. Uh -huh. On July 25th, 1991, Dahmer was charged with four counts of first-degree murder. August 22nd, uh, he had been charged with a further 11 murders committed in Wisconsin. On September 14th, investigators in Ohio, having uncovered uncovered hundreds of bone fragments in woods behind the address in which Dahmer had confessed to killing his first victim. That is, this is a really long sentence. Yeah, it is. Formally identified two molars and a vertebrae with x-ray records of Hicks. Ugh. Uh, three days later, Dahmer was charged by authorities in Ohio with Hicks's murder. Dahmer was not charged with the attempted murder of Edwards, nor with the murder of Tuomi. He was not charged with Tuomi's murder because the Milwaukee County District Attorney only brought charges where murder could be proven beyond a reasonable doubt. Yeah. And Dahmer had no memory of actually committing this particular murder um, and no physical evidence of the crime existed. So that's why he didn't get charged with all of them. Okay. So there's the 15. Yeah. At a scheduled preliminary hearing on July 13th, 1992, Dahmer pleaded guilty but insane to 15 counts of murder. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dahmer's trial began on January 30th, 1992. If you want to go to the notes, um, you can see a picture of Dahmer in court. Hey, cutie. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. <laughs> I mean, that that's a good picture of him. It is. It's a good picture. <laughs> but I can't. No. He cray cray. <laughs> yes. A little bit. Um, he was tried in Milwaukee for the 15 counts of first-degree murder before Judge Lawrence Graham. By pleading guilty on January 13th to the charges brought against him, Dahmer had waived his rights to an initial trial to establish guilt. Um, so the issue debated by opposing counsels at Dahmer's trial was to determine whether he suffered from either a mental or personality disorder. Both. The prosecution claiming that any disorders did not deprive Dahmer of the ability to appreciate the criminality of his conduct or to deprive him of the ability to resist his impulses. The defense arguing that Dahmer suffered from a mental disease and was driven by obsessions and impulses he was unable to control. 
okay. But so, as soon as they caught him, he did say, like, I deserve to die for this. Like, yeah. And he started fessing up. So he knew that he, he knew it did was wrong. wrong. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Defense experts argued that Dahmer was insane due to his necrophilic drive. Okay. Uh, his compulsion to have sexual encounters with corpses. So, necrocoitus. <laughs> necrocoitus. <laughs> I almost forgot about that. <laughs> Defense expert Dr. Fred Berlin uh, testified that Dahmer was unable to conform his conduct at the time that he committed the crimes because he was suffering from paraphilia or more specifically necrophilia. Yeah. Dr. Judith Becker, a professional of psychiatry and psychology, was the second expert witness for the defense. Becker also diagnosed Dahmer as a necrophiliac, although she added Dahmer had informed her he preferred comatose sexual partners to deceased ones. 75% of the time. <laughs> no, I don't remember which kind of necrophiliac that is. <laughs> Me neither. That was too much. Pop quiz. Pop quiz. Yeah, let's see who gets it right. Who's going to get it? The final defense expert to testify, forensic psychiatrist Dr. Carl Wallstrom, diagnosed Dahmer with necrophilia, borderline personality disorder, schizotypal personality disorder, alcohol dependence, and psychotic disorder. That's it? That's it. Okay. <laughs> Just your average run-of-the-mill. Yeah. You know. The prosecution rejected the defense's argument that Dahmer was insane. Forensic psychiatrist Dr. Philip Resnick testified that Dahmer did not suffer from primary necrophilia because he preferred live sexual partners as evidenced by his efforts to create unresistant uh, submissive sexual partners devoid of rational thought and to whose needs he did not have to cater to. So they were saying he really prefers... Unconscious people, mm -hmm. not dead people. So he's not a necrophile. Uh, but as we know, yeah, it is from our necrophilia episode that it, is a branch of necrophilia. Yeah. So seriously, who can get that one right? Yeah. Because I can cheat. I can go back and look at the notes. Um, another prosecution expert to testify, Dr. Fred Fosdell, testified to his belief that Dahmer was without mental disease or defect at the time he committed the murders. He described Dahmer as a calculating and cunning individual able to differentiate between right and wrong with the ability to control his actions. Although Fosdell did state his belief that Dahmer suffered from paraphilia, his conclusion was that Dahmer was not a sadist. Um, okay. I think he's wrong. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I do believe that he was insane. Yeah. I'm sorry. Anybody that can do that, like, you you ain't right. Something's not right. Yeah. <laughs> The trial lasted two weeks. On February 15th, the court reconvened to hear the verdict. Dahmer was ruled to be sane and not suffering from a mental disorder at the time of each of the 15 murders for which he was tried. Although in each count, two of the 12 jurors signified their dissent. Formal sentencing was postponed until February 17th. On this date, Dahmer's attorney announced his client wished to address the court. Dahmer then approached a lectern and read from a statement prepared by himself and his defense as he faced the judge. In this statement, Dahmer emphasized that he had never desired freedom following his arrest and that he frankly wished for his own death. He further stressed that none of his murders had been motivated by hatred, that he understood that nothing he either said or did 
could undo the terrible harm he had caused to the families of his victims in the city of Milwaukee, and that he and his doctors believed his criminal behavior had been motivated by mental disorders. Dahmer added that his medical knowledge had given him some peace, and that although he understood that society would never forgive him, he hoped God would. Dahmer closed his statement with the following, quote, I know my time in prison will be terrible, but I deserve whatever I get because of what I have done. Thank you, Your Honor, and I am prepared for your sentence, which I know will be the maximum. I ask for no consideration, end quote. He then returned to his seat to await formal sentencing. Dahmer was then sentenced to life imprisonment plus 10 years upon the first two counts, with the remaining 13 counts carrying a mandatory sentence to life imprisonment plus 70 years. The death penalty was not an option for Judge Graham to consider at the penalty phase as ah. was, as Wisconsin had abolished capital punishment in 1853. I, I, I kind of believe in capital punishment. I have mixed feelings. I said a little bit. I, yeah, I, I it have de- mixed It feelings. depends on what it is. But, yeah. Hmm. <laughs> so they didn't let him die. He's going to sit there and rot for yeah. the rest of his life. Well, let, let me just tell you what happens. I know. <laughs> we almost done. I'm going to tell you what happens. Okay. Upon hearing of Dahmer's sentencing, his father, Lionel, and his stepmother, Sherry, requested to be allowed a 10-minute private meeting with their son before he was transferred to Columbia Correctional Institution uh, to begin his sentence. The request was granted, and the trio exchanged hugs and well wishes before Dahmer was escorted away. Three months after his conviction in Milwaukee, Dahmer was extradited to Ohio to be tried for the murder of his first victim, Stephen Hicks. In a court hearing lasting just 45 minutes, Dahmer again pleaded guilty to the charges and was sentenced to a 16th term of life imprisonment on May 1st, 1992. I mean, what's one more? (laughs) You're never getting out. Yeah, he's done. Upon sentencing, Dahmer was transferred to the Columbia Correctional Institution. For the first year of his incarceration, Dahmer was placed in solitary confinement due to concerns for his physical safety should he come into contact with fellow inmates. Because, you know, he killed kids. Yeah. Uh, With Dahmer's consent, after one year in solitary confinement, he was transferred to a less secure unit where he was assigned a two-hour daily work detail cleaning the toilet block. Oh, because he loves chores. Yeah. (laughs) Keep him busy with all those chores. Uh, Shortly after completing his lengthy confessions in 1991, Dahmer had requested to Detective Murphy that he be given a copy of the Bible. This request was granted, and Dahmer gradually devoted himself to Christianity and became a born-again Christian. Okay. So, if you want to go to the notes, and you can look at a more current picture of Jeffrey Dahmer while he was in prison. He was doing an interview or something. He not, Ew. He not cute no more. Ew. Prison life not good for him. No. But the glasses are back. Oh, good. <laughs> I know you missed the glasses. Yeah, I totally missed glasses. <laughs> So, on July 3rd, 1994, a fellow inmate, Osvaldo Deruthi, attempted to slash Dahmer's throat with a razor embedded in a toothbrush Hmm. as Dahmer sat in the prison chapel after the weekly church service. Dahmer received superficial wounds and was not seriously hurt in this incident. According to Dahmer's family, he had long been ready to die and accepted any punishment which he might endure in prison. In addition to his father and stepmother maintaining regular contact, Dahmer's mother, Joyce, also maintained regular contact with her son. Oh, now she's there. Right? Although prior to his arrest, the two had not seen each other since Christmas 1983. (laughs) Man, I can't with Joyce. Man. Can I just say fuck Joyce? Yes, fuck Joyce. 
Joyce related that in her weekly phone calls, whenever she expressed concerns for her son's physical well-being, Dahmer responded with comments to the effect of, it doesn't matter, Mom, I don't care if something happens to me. Mm. On the morning of November 28, 1994, Dahmer left his cell to conduct his assigned work detail. Accompanying him were two fellow inmates, Jesse Anderson and Christopher Scarver. The trio were left unsupervised in the showers of the prison gym for approximately 20 minutes. At 8.10 a.m., Dahmer was discovered on the floor of the bathrooms of the gym suffering from extreme head wounds. He had been severely bludgeoned about the head and face with a 20-inch metal bar. Where the fuck did they get a metal bar? I don't know. It's prison. I know. (laughs) His head had also been repeatedly struck against the wall in the assault. Although Dahmer was still alive and was rushed to a nearby hospital, he was pronounced dead one hour later. Anderson had also been beaten with the same instrument and died two days later from his wounds. Wait, what? So three men went in. One, one man came out. All right, Christopher. You've got some explaining <laughs> to do. you got some explaining to do. <laughs> Upon learning of his death, Dahmer's mother, Joyce, responded angrily to the media. Quote, now is everybody happy now that he's bludgeoned to death? Is that good enough for everyone? End quote. Hmm. The response of the families of Dahmer's victims was mixed, although it appears most were pleased with his death, of course. Well, yeah. The district attorney who prosecuted Dahmer cautioned against turning Scarver into a folk hero, noting that Dahmer's death was still murder. Yeah. 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 On May 15th, 1995, Scarver was sentenced to two additional terms of life imprisonment for the murders of Dahmer and Anderson. Good. Dahmer had stated in his will that he wished for no services to be conducted and that he wished to be cremated. In September 1995, Dahmer's body was cremated and his ashes divided between his parents. The end. wonder who got the skull. Because <laughs> <laughs> we know that's the most precious part. Right? Oh, my God. <laughs> that was so good. Oh, my God. I can't. Thank you. <laughs> Mine's like bullshit compared to this. No, I'm ready for it. Palate cleanser. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, I got some words to pronounce this time. All right. Short and sweet. Uh, there are some details that I left out because I just didn't feel like they were relevant. But I did my case on the cannibal poet. <sighs> Oh, I like it. Okay, I found an amazing article. I will link the source or whatever, but I pretty much <laughs> did a copy and paste because it was so good. <laughs> like they it was just it was everything I needed. Okay. All right. Headline. He killed his girlfriend, seasoned her flesh with lemon and ate her. I can't with lemon? make this shit up <laughs> with lemon. That was the headline. I was okay. like, okay. Okay. Well, there we go. We are, of course, talking about the cannibal poet, a.k.a. Jose Luis Calva Zapata. There we go. Sounds like a wrestler name. That's a, that's a name. Like, now entering the ring in the blue corner, the cannibal, Jose Luis Calva Zapata. <laughs> Did you practice that in front of your mirror? <laughs> no, no, I really didn't. It was very theatrical and it was great. <laughs> She even did the arms at the end. (laughs) 
No, it just, and there's actually a boxer named Jose Zapata. So. Oh, shit. <laughs> I know. I bet that made for interesting research. It did. <laughs> I was like, oh, wait, that's not him. <laughs> so, yeah, it does. It just, it sounds like a wrestler name to me. So, there you go. All right. Jose was born on June 20th, 1969 in Mexico City, Mexico. He lost his father when he was two years old. Have no idea how. Okay. He just went bye-bye. Okay. I have a picture of uh, Jose now and okay. baby Jose. Okay. If you want to go look at the notes. Okay. So I'm going to look at baby Jose. Look at baby Jose. <gasps> oh, honey. Isn't he cute? He is very cute. Ew. Who would have thunk he grew up to eat people? Okay. Then you can see Jose now is an adult. Not so cute anymore. Just Jose Zapata? Yeah. He's got a schnoz on him. Doesn't he, though? Yeah, he does. Yeah. He looks like he's trying to do um, the uh, Ben Stiller Blue Steel face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. All right. So, Daddy died. Zapata grew up in the care of his mother, Elia, and along with his three siblings in Mexico City. She was a biatch. Was she now? Yes, she was. She was extremely abusive, like physically and mentally, all that. When he was only six, he happened to walk in on his mom and sister wrapping presents for a celebration called Dia de los Reyes. Okay. <laughs> or Three Wise Men's Day. Okay. When his mother saw him, she took the toy truck that she had bought for him and she smashed it. What a bitch. Yep. Told you she's a bitch. But you got to give the little boy props because little six-year-old Jose got out there and started hustling and and shined shoes until he could afford his own fucking truck. All right. That's kind of like on Coco. Mm-hmm. He's like, you know what? Go shine, go shine shoes in the square. Mm-hmm. Make that money. Well... <laughs> Unfortunately, when she saw this one, she smashed that one right in front of him and then beat the crap out of him. What a twat. Yeah, I don't like her at all. At the age of seven, Jose was raped by his brother's 16-year-old friend. Yeah, not sure if it continued or if it was just a one-time thing, but... Still not cool. Still not cool. At 12, his mom had had enough of his shit and kicked him out. Oh my gosh. 12. The I bay. I can't. Oh, my God. So, he became depressed, and he dropped out of school, and he became an alcoholic. Of course. At 12. Of course. That's so sad. <sighs> it is very, very sad. It, it really is. So, he needed money, obviously. He started working as a clown alongside <laughs> his brother-in-law, who was a magici magician. Okay. And at that time, he became interested in writing and poetry and books and screenplays. Okay. He got really good. Well, I'm not going to say really good in it. He got really into it. Okay. <laughs> okay. He was enthusiastic. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It, it was his passion. Okay. In 1996, he married his first wife, Aida. The couple gave birth to two daughters. But um, he was... A fucking narcissist. He was an asshole. Uh, so he was abusive to her in every kind of way. And she peaced out. With the babies, I'm sure. With the babies. After two years. And she moved to America. Like. Yes, girl. <laughs> I eat a size hole in the wall. <laughs> bitch peaced out. Get it, Bye -bye. queen. Bye-bye. Get it, queen. So he fell into depression again. 
And he increased his dosage of alcohol and drugs. He, he liked the cocaine. Ah, okay. Yeah, he liked that a lot and some pills and all that stuff. So, he actually married again his second wife, Lydia Sanchez Valdez. Uh, she described that he was obsessed with witchcraft, like cow tongues and doing stuff with parts of animals. I, I don't know, but he was into that. Um, he performed, like, cursed rituals on his ex-wife and stuff oh like that. Oh, my gosh. Like, yeah. Um, he was also, like, really OCD with cleaning. Okay. And, like, hygienically-wise. Okay. He would clean his genitals and his wife's before and after sex. Like, it... Cleanliness is It good. was a thing. Kind of weird, but Kind of weird. Good. But, yeah. He was just always washing his hands and always washing... So, yeah. I mean, okay. at least he didn't stink, I guess. Yeah. Um, but he was verbally and mentally abusive towards her as well. Of course. And when she threatened to leave him, he was like, I'm going to kill myself if you leave me. Please don't do it. Oh, I'm, my God. I'm a changed man. I'll never do it again. Oh, my gosh. Run, girls. Run. Yes. Okay? Run. Narcissism at its finest. Mm -hmm. But she left his ass. Good girl. So, after another unsuccessful relationship... He took up poetry again. He started writing novels and plays. He wasn't very successful, like I said, but he really enjoyed it. Um, and he would tell you how awesome he was at it. Like, just ask him. He, he thought he was fantastic. The shit. Well, and he, he used that, like, to pick up women. That was part of his angle. He was like, he's a poet. He was like, I'm a, you know, I'm a, I'm a playwriter and all this kind of stuff. I'm a tortured and, artist. Yeah. <laughs> And, like, one of his girlfriend's moms was like, that's bullshit. You dress like a freaking homeless person. There's no way that you're a successful screenplay writer and all this kind of shit. She she saw through it right away. He supported his cocaine and alcohol habits by um, going out on the street and peddling his novels and poems that he would write for, like, a dollar a piece. And um, that's where he met his next girlfriend, the ones that he did target were single mothers, and uh, being a drugstore attendant was a plus with his pill addiction. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Um, he even said, like, he tried to pass himself self off as, like, a TV personality and stuff like that, too. Yeah. So, the mo okay. yeah, the woman that he met, um, she worked at a pharmacy. Her name was Alejandra Galeana. Because Jose was jealous and controlling and a liar, she soon tried to separate from him as well. Mm -hmm. And she took another job um, at another pharmacy in another city to get away from him. And that's the one whose mom, like, he met and she was like, no, this dude's <laughs> bullshit. He's bad news, honey. He's bad news. But she did try to get away from him. And I have a picture of Alejandra and Jose. If we want to go look. Oh, look how cute she yeah, is. Yeah, she's very, very cute. You Pre can tell he's a dick. Just look at him. I mean, his eyes. Like, he's just got that. And his little look. half smile, yeah. smirk looking thing. He's Arrogant going on. looking. Yeah. I, I just don't like him you at all. You can tell he's not cool. So, like I said, Alejandra's mother described him as very vain and everything was me, me, me. Blah, blah, blah. You're so vain. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you think this case is about ah! you. <laughs> okay. Uh, that will never happen again. 
<laughs> you did it, girl. I did. <laughs> Just the one time. <laughs> Experts said that he may have courted drugstore workers. Duh. Including Veronica Martinez, who was killed and dismembered in 2004. So he could get access to clonazepam. And it's like an anti-seizure medication used to treat anxiety. Okay. It's a it's a heavy duty one though. Okay. But that was that was his pill of choice. Plus the cocaine and alcohol. Yeah. It's not a good mixture, you guys. Drugs are bad. Don't do it. Just say no. Just say no or don't mix them. Jesus. <laughs> Have you not learned? Hello, Brittany Murphy. <laughs> she didn't even do right? it on purpose, poor baby. Oh, I know. We I should know. do we should do an episode on her. I was really thinking about it. Because I came across her case the other day on Facebook. I think I have a celebrity a celebrity topic on her. We list. should put her in there. Yeah. I mean clueless, hello. Yes. Love her. I know. Yeah. You're a virgin who can't drive. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. That was way harsh time. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Prosecutors say that he focused on drug stores because he was looking for working women who were relatively poor, vulnerable, or easier to impress and dominate. Um, let's see. Veronica, I believe she had two children. Okay. she may. There was one that was a mother of three, but I'm not positive if that was her. I think that was another girl. But she was um, found in a suitcase. Oh, no. What is it with the damn suitcases? I know. It's going to make me rethink purchasing luggage. Definitely not used. No, I won't go to Facebook. There will be no used luggage purchases (laughs) going on here. But maybe I should consider would a body fit in here if I ever needed it? Brittany. Really? (laughs) You don't know what could happen. Oh, (laughs) ma'am. So I should get that luggage set with the extra large bag. Yeah, you really should. <laughs> I mean, not just for body purposes. Because <laughs> you know they have some of those sets that are four pieces instead of three okay, pieces. Okay, when have you go shopping, take Stephen with you and have him lay inside, inside the big one and okay. be like, "Okay, this is what we're gonna do. Okay, <laughs> this is that's how we're how, gonna pick it. Yeah, that's how we're gonna do that. Okay, All right, got it. Well, Alejandra got her new job, but on October fifth, two thousand seven. We moved way up in time. Galeana didn't show up for work. Police questioned her mother, and Galeana said, you know what? She was last seen with that motherfucker. Like a... Go talk to the homeless poet. A neighbor or a friend of the family, something like that, lived by Zepeda, like a couple doors down, and he saw her go to his house. So that was the last known whereabouts of her. Mm-hmm. So authorities visited Jose at his fourth floor apartment. They found him. They disturbed his dinner. Oh, no. He answered the door with, like, the whole bib thing going on. No, he yeah. did Yeah, he did. <laughs> yeah, he did. He's like, yeah, sure, come on in. I was just about to eat. Whatever. Um, They found him eating a meal of human meat seasoned with lemon. Shut up. He so was he- having Alejandra tip some rice. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> So they start looking around the apartment, um, you know, as they do, just searching through things. Just they kind of expected to find her tied up somewhere. Mm-hmm. They opened his closet. 
They found a dismembered body of a woman who they identified as Galeana. It was just her torso, pretty much. Um, her right forearm and the lower part of her left leg were gone. Of course they were. He was eating him for dinner. Yeah, well, they found him mm. in the fridge. Okay. Uh, they also found deep fried human bones in a box of cornflakes. <laughs> That's a whole new twist on the prize I, in the box. I need to know <laughs> oh why. God. I don't know why. why. Okay, why would you fry just the bone? I, I mean, I understand concealing fried deep food. fried bone. In yeah, cornflakes because, it, you know, the color and textures similar and, uh, i guess it just seemed like a good place to put them but why just the bone i don't know why why would you have to fry the bone that doesn't help anything to see if a dog well <laughs> no but that do that, that does is, he need to gnaw on it maybe maybe he just <laughs> likes to chew it. on it and suck on it for the flavor you know yeah while I, he's watching tv yeah you know, just a little late night snack before bed it's like Eating sunflower seeds. <laughs> I can't. I can't. This is the weirdest conversation. <laughs> yeah. This, this is really bringing out our twisted, messed up. Somehow, <laughs> somehow this conversation feels weirder than the necrophilia conversation. And yeah. I don't know why. It's the deep fried human bones. Like, okay. They're not bleached. They're not. <laughs> they're deep fried, baby. <laughs> And this isn't even the South. I love the variations in our cases here. I do, too. That's nice. Okay. I'm here for it. Okay. So, on the stove, authorities found a frying pan containing chunks of human flesh and lemon slices. They also found knives, a box cutter, blood stains, and a pair of shoelaces that may have been used to strangle her, prosecutors said. Hmm. And, yes, it was. After, and yes they were yeah after the autopsy they were like oh yep mm -hmm. that was that that'll do it so i have pictures okay there's three that actually go with this one one says part one part two and i labeled them part one and part two because they are actually parts okay i see what you did there okay that's okay. that's all of her stuff bagged up that's body parts that's body parts and then there's okay. her leg and aren't they're wrapped up in bags guys yeah it's fine um but i do have one uh -huh. um i'm not going to post this one good if you would like to see it i will tell you what it is uh you can message me and request the link to the article that i actually found it in but i'm this was even a little bit hard for me, you guys. This it's, is too graphic for the Facebook. It's um, it's her laying on the autopsy table, and she is nude, and all of her pieces are laying where they should be, but they are, you can see everything, okay? A every bit of it. Can I just comment about the coroners or whoever this is in the background Sitting so casually, <laughs> so casually <laughs> next to this body. Because I'm looking at her body and I'm going, damn, that's fucked up. Oh, they're over oh. there just like, and then I like my eyes pan up just a little bit and she's just like sitting there at her table, her elbow on the table, head resting on her fist there. Like, 
Like she's kind of like aggravated that she has to be at work today, but she's just going to power through kind of look on her face. Like mm-hmm. I can't. With a dismembered body just chilling next to her. Yeah. That's really not okay, lady. No, it's really not. And, and you can see, um, I have a picture of her face as well. Okay. He, he beat the crap out of her. Oh my goodness. Unrecognizable. Mm-hmm. It does not look like the same girl in the mm-hmm. other photo at all. It does not. So yeah, if you really want to see that one, if your curiosity is just killing you, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll send it to you, but you got to message me. Yeah. On Facebook, whatever. That'd probably be the easiest. So, okay. So when they started finding all the body parts, Jose, we don't know if he attempted to escape or really what the fuck this was, but he jumped out of the balcony. Oh, four my floors. Fuck. Four floors. Yeah. Um, but it didn't kill him. Good. And they arrested his ass. Good. I have pictures. Of I hope his, he had lots uh, of broken bones. Well, I have some pictures of him. Great. That's fantastic. Yeah. Um, okay. And I when he it. jumped out of the window. That's a dumbass. Bloody head. Very bloody head. Fabulous. Oh, I wish he would have sustained more injuries, to be honest with you. Well. Maybe there was more than what I can see. I mean, that last one with him on the, got the Ambu bag on him and everything, like, yeah. Okay, that one's kind of bad. Yeah. It, it, but it, did one of his arms fall off? No. Okay. No. Um, he was arrested. He confessed to choking Galliana to death by accident. Oh, oh I just fuck. accidentally had some shoestrings oh my in my hand. Oops. Accidentally got him too tight on her neck. I don't know. He said that they were in an argument and he accidentally strangled her. No, you don't accidentally strangle somebody. Do you know how much energy it takes, it takes to lot. strangle someone? Even somebody who's weak. Like it, it supposedly takes a lot of yes. stamina and strength because it takes, it's not quick. It's not quick at all. And no, they will fight not. tooth and nail. So yeah, but he, he admitted, you know, to cutting her up and everything. And there was supposedly another male involved in this incident um and they were supposedly lovers like a throuple kind no just they had a homosexual relationship oh a triangle kind yeah um but eh, I, I, i chose to leave that part out like it supposedly he was just there so he basically got you know accomplice charges and all that okay so it was pretty much just like she came over and everything yeah, like was he, he put helped. out in the open and yeah so he had to get rid of one of them and it was her no this other guy was um conspiring with him like oh okay so they were planning on getting the, yeah rid of her. like okay. he was in on it but he didn't do it Oh, my goodness. Yeah. I can't. And so, Jose denied. Just let her live her life. Like, Ugh. do people not hear of just, like, breaking up? Can't you just, like, break up? And she had two kids. Yeah. Yeah. Those poor babies. Just fucking break up. Oy. I know. I know. So, he admitted to dismembering her. But he's like, but I didn't eat her, okay? <laughs> like, because that makes it so much better. Bruh. <laughs> You got her on your fine china, dude. Um, yeah, he said he was dismembering her or dismembering her body and disposing of it, and he was cooking it for the neighborhood stray dogs with lemon. With lemon, you don't. No. Oh, so that's why he was frying bones and hiding it in the cornflakes mm-hmm. box. Mm-hmm. Whatever. 
Oh, okay. Maybe he was giving those to the dogs, but he was sitting down to eat when they caught him. He had to play to Alejandra. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh. Alejandra con carne. <laughs> I can't. I can't. <laughs> okay. Oh, shit. Um, unfortunately, they could not test the contents of his stomach because too many days had passed. So his digestive system would have gotten rid of any traces of her flesh by then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But they did find a manuscript that Jose was working on with the title Cannibal Instincts. <laughs> <laughs> The cover of the novel contained a picture of Hannibal Lecter, um, but it, it was actually not Hannibal Lecter. It was Jose, but he had on a mask. Like, he edited... It wasn't him, but he edited the photo to look like him, and he had on that mask that Hannibal Lecter has on in uh, Silence of the Lambs. Oh, my god! Dude, he was, like, hardcore fangirling Hannibal Lecter. <laughs> like, <laughs> Oh, my gosh. Um, he also enjoyed animal porn. I don't what even is no. I don't know. I don't want to know. I and can't. the explicit, <sighs> explicit and sadistic novel One Hundred and Twenty Days of Sodom. We're not putting that one on the list. Okay, okay. we're leaving that one off. Uh, I'm. I agree. Uh, Ugh. yeah. Ugh. They investigators discovered that Jose had been on a three day coke binge. Mixed with his clonazepam and alcohol that will make you do insane things, honestly. Yeah. I'm sorry, but you were already insane if that's the insane things that you thought of to do. Yeah. Yeah. To strangle Uh, your girlfriend with shoelaces and then cook her with some lemon. (laughs) No. Oh, while your gay lover's there. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. That's when they also discovered that he acu- that he uh, killed his former girlfriend, Veronica. And um, there was also another prostitute, but she was only known as La Haracha. Okay. Um, they had found her back in April, and they were dismembered, like, the same way. They had their feet and hands cut off. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And they both worked in pharmacies. Oh, my goodness. He refused to make a guilty and not guilty plea while in prison. On December 11th, 2007, he was found dead in his cell, hanging by a belt. Oh, no. How the fuck you got a belt in prison? I don't know. Maybe Mexico prison's It is a Mexican prison. I mean, you can get anything you want down there. Maybe they let you keep your belts and shoelaces. Yeah. Well, here's the problem with that. Okay. Other inmates had been threatening him and gonna like allegedly attempt to extort money from him he didn't have any money he lives on the streets he yeah so i don't understand that one but he had had problems before and they really thought that this was not a suicide they like after he had been beaten and stuff before he had been put on not solitary confinement but he was being monitored at all times Mm mm-hmm so, how this happened, they really don't know. But there was no suicide note. He had never talked about suicide. So, pretty much a guard looked the other way while an inmate strangled Exactly. Him exactly. Because his autopsy showed that he was actually tortured and raped before he died. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, that's what happened to him in prison. Um, however, the corrections department denied that Calva had been beaten or threatened by his other inmates. 
It said that he could not have been murdered because he had reinforced his locked cell door with wire and shoelaces tied from the inside. What is happening in Mexican prisons? I think they're full of shit. I, I don't, I don't, I think they're just covering their ass. Oh, yeah, for sure. Mexico City officials said that they were investigating how he got the belt and apparently was able to commit suicide when he was supposed to be under round-the-clock observation. Um, You know, so he did deny eating his victims. But in his cannibal book, which he called The Cannibal Poet, Mm -hmm. he mentioned that he did eat his victim. And so they're, they're pretty much guessing, like, okay, that's what really happened. Well, yeah, is that she he did was actually eat her. Yeah, she was on a plate. I mean, Brock, come on. It's believed that there are up to 10 victims linked to him, but there's no sufficient evidence because he died in the process of investigations. And that is the end. Okay, well. Anybody want some cornflakes? That's unresolved. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit because uh, there are more and they it'll never be solved. I just thought They'll never something. get closure. What? My mom at Christmas time would make these like little cornflake cluster <laughs> thing candy things. I'm not going to be able to eat that now. <laughs> no. Because Sorry, it's going to make me wonder is there, you know, I seriously doubt your mom's going to have some deep fried bones in the cornflake treat. Mom, I don't know. <laughs> Do we need to have a chat. She's pretty fucking chill. And a lot of times them pretty chill people got some crazy shit going on. That's true. Y'all, I'm just fucking around. My mother is a saint. Yeah. Yeah. We love mom. Jackie's a saint. Yeah. yeah. That was stepbrother's reference. <laughs> My mother is a saint. <laughs> I didn't catch it. Damn Keep it. your liver spotted hands <laughs> off my mother. She's a saint. <laughs> yeah. That's my shit right there. I, I love it. Stepbrothers. Oh my God. Uh, we did it. We did it. That was amazing. That's cannibals, guys. That was cannibals. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, some housekeeping shit we got to get out of the way. Mm-hmm. Um, All the social medias. All the social medias. Go rate us and review us. Mm-hmm. We still have stickers available. Yeah. Send us your spooky stories. Yes, spooky stories. Y'all, okay. we're getting some really good ones. <laughs> yes, we've gotten some spooky stories. Thanks, guys. Mm-hmm. Um, but we still need more to make a full episode. We would love to do a full episode. Because you know what, guys? Halloween is my birthday. Fuck yeah, it is. So, like, I want to make the shit fabulous. And I want to have a fabulous Halloween episode. Come on, that can be your presents to Brittany. Send yes, us, celebrate my more. birthday. Because even if we don't use them now, I promise you. They like will it, get used. They will get used. If we can't fit them in, they will be used. I yes. promise you. I think we're going to try to do like first come, first serve mm-hmm, pretty type much. of thing on this episode. But if for some reason you send one in and there's no way we can squeeze it in, it we'll use on the it length later. Of it. You know, if we get a bunch of long ones, that that's the fewer, yeah. you know. But yeah, so but we would definitely use it later. But we still, yeah. Either way, we still want them long or short. Send us all your stuff now. Yeah, right now. Oh my gosh, that was kind of (laughs) scary. And let's see. Oh, shout outs for art and music and editing to Amanda and Craig and Steven. I have have a, a few shout outs I would like to do. Okay, okay. Um, we've gotten a bunch of new likes. Mm-hmm. On Facebook and stuff. Yes, thanks, guys. Bunch of new members. Hello. Hi, nice people. to have you. 
it's um ballooned like in the past couple of weeks and we have one on instagram that i got a shout out because they do a top fan thing on facebook they don't do anything like that for people on instagram mm-hmm. so i want to shout out a uh, username blackwing doll madam oh, yeah. she has liked every single one of our posts thank you very much thank you sincerely love it yes so yeah i had to give an instagram shout out (laughs) (laughs) sorry but yeah what else uh that's all okay that was it one more quick thing like we said earlier spooky season bitches yeah so we've got some really really awesome episodes coming up for (laughs) spooky season (laughs) yeah we do i'm just taking a real quick glance and there's going to be some fucked up shit. Should we give them a hint? There's going to be some murdery shit. Yeah. There's going to be some spooky shit. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, it's going to get good. And I'm just going to go out on a limb here and say we're going to finish out the rest of the year with some badass shit as I'm looking at this list. Yeah. So. Tell your friends. Oh, my God. Next week. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> tell your friends y'all celebrate spooky season by listening to onc share us with people mm-hmm. share us on facebook and instagram share us with your friends rate and review us help us spread the word yeah give us all that good stuff mm-hmm. yep we love you guys we do so much okay so that's that's all we have that's it you know We come at you with the cannibalism and leave you with the love. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Well, we'll chat at you next week. Yeah. Oh, that's cute. (laughs) I like that. It just came to. Yeah. Okay. Bye, you guys. Bye.